0: Following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. I, you know, I'm thinking uh, as we're reading um, together. uh, You may be familiar with the word liturgy, or uh, you know, some churches are more liturgical than others. And what we take that to mean is there's uh, maybe it's more formal and there's more candles and robes and things like that. Um, But the truth of the matter is the word liturgy means the work of the people. Um, And so when we read these things together in in this kind of responsive reading format, it reminds, reminds me that this is the work of the people like our our work together is to study, to learn, to worship God together, and this is just one simple way that we can do that. Um, there is not a um there is not a clergy and laity distinction like in in some uh especially um more traditional New England church buildings, there's like a well there's a railing, right. And the pastor stands up here behind the pulpit, and there's a railing. Well, that's not for modesty's sake. It's a separation from the clergy and the laity, right? You regular people who weren't, like, hatched from some religious egg like us clergymen are. There is no distinction, biblically speaking. We are all, by faith in Christ, adopted as the children of God. And there is no distinction there are certainly roles, there are certainly gifts, there are certainly abilities that the Lord gives to each one of us. But there, there is no difference. And I, I love that. I love that. It takes a lot of pressure off me. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons I stand down here. I'm tall enough. Uh, you know, maybe if I was – anyway. Um, so <clears throat> yeah, moving on. All right, so we are returning to the Gospel of Luke this morning. Um, And we're going to continue through Jesus' teaching on readiness and responsibility uh, for his disciples. And we're going to look back at, uh, we're going to look at verses 41 through 48 um, of chapter 12, and that's on page 872 in the Pew Bibles. And our text for this morning begins with a question from the Apostle Peter um, that he asks in response to the text that we looked at last week. So we're going to read that portion again uh, so it kind of makes sense in context. And the fact that Peter even asked this question of Jesus um, is completely consistent with what we know of Peter's character. Um, kind of impulsive, uh, quick to speak, and generally selfish. Um, he had a tendency to think of himself first and seemed to have an inflated view of his importance and the importance of the disciples as a group. Now, I can see some of the looks on your faces. Wait a minute. Peter, no, he's cool, right? Well, you have to remember that in the Gospels, Peter had not yet received the Holy Spirit. He's, he's in his flesh, right? He does not have the same resources, Um uh, that you see in him later um, from the books book of Acts uh, and then into his own writings um, and though he'd been uh, the disciples had been walking with Jesus and listening to his teaching without the without the Holy Spirit resident inside of them, the capacity for understanding what Jesus was teaching was severely limited. Um, without the Holy Spirit, we cannot understand god 's Word, okay. So as you sit down to read the Bible, invite the Holy Spirit because you're not going to understand it unless he interprets it for you. That's part of his work. So let's look at our text. We're going to go back to verse 35 and and then we'll jump in. Jesus said, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, My master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating, will receive the light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Let's pray together. Lord, um, we're grateful to be gathered together in your name, around your word, We pray now, Lord, that your spirit would speak, that you would enlighten us as to the meaning of your word and share with us the message that you have prepared for us. Lord, give us wisdom and understanding so that we may follow you more closely. We might know you more nearly and you would know us. We pray that you would move our hearts to align with yours. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So what part of this parable, the first parable, do you think that Peter was asking about when Jesus talked about um, the master coming back and the servants are ready or not ready? I think that he was, well, it appears to me that Peter was asking about the reward part um, of that, like, uh, for the servants who are found faithful in verses thirty seven and thirty eight in hopes that Jesus meant that it was it was the twelve it was the twelve disciples that uh, that had a reward in store not not just everybody like lord you you mean us right the the master 's going to come back and he 's going to get dressed for service and and serve the servants and you mean you mean twelve of us right not everybody. So this is your stunned silence is very reassuring. Sometimes we, we have to question things like that when, we, when it comes to Scripture. Peter, like I said, is not infallible. He is not filled with the Holy Spirit. He does not have the understanding that the Holy Spirit gives. And over and over and over again in the Gospels, we can see that these 12 men that Jesus called out of their vocations and out of uh, uh, wherever he found them, They're a bunch of knuckleheads. They don't get it. They, over and over again, they prove that they are not wise. Why God chose them and used them in a mighty way after they received the Holy Spirit should be reassuring to us. Because if he can use them to change the world, we're way smarter than them, right? (laughs) We're, we're, We're not a bunch of dummies, right? I think that we've got to we've got to remember the original audience that's receiving these messages um, in the Bible. Um, so Jesus, um, as is typical, answered Peter's question with another question. Don't you love that about Jesus? Just ask him something straight up, and he he's gonna turn it around on you. And in his question, Jesus expands the parable to focus specifically on those who bear the responsibilities of shepherding the flock. Um, He he focuses on on them and, and, and all of the disciples who would follow after them. Look at verse 42. And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. Now, the word that Jesus used, manager, um, can also be translated as steward. Right? And I think this uh, it clarifies the picture a little bit. A steward is a person, person who is entrusted with the care of running a household. Um, Honestly, just to show my age, all I could think of was Benson. <laughs> Do you remember Benson? Yeah. Like he was in charge of running the governor's household, right? And there's some blank stairs from... <laughs> yep. Okay. Yes, this is really white hair. I am old. Anyway... So a a steward is a person who is entrusted with the care of running the household. It's clear from Jesus' parable that the household manager was responsible for making sure that everybody in the household was fed the proper amount at the proper time. And these were amounts and times that would have been set by the master of the house, right? The steward is acting on behalf of the master of the house. And what kind of person does a steward like that have to be? You have to be faithful, right? Trustworthy. You've got to be on top of things so that the master of the household could entrust them with the watch care of the whole the whole household. Now, I'm not just saying household like the building. I mean, the people, right? The people, the servants, the children, everybody, right? So this person needed to be faithful and trustworthy. Um, so that the master could go away and do other business and not worry about what was going on at home. And if you think about it, this is exactly the task that Jesus entrusted the disciples with. He, he entrusted this task to all of the apostles, both those with a capital A and those with a small a apostles, not just the original 12 whom I'm not going to refer to as apostles until they're actually sent. We get to the book of Acts, you'll, you'll hear the difference. They're just disciples right now. But it's not just them. It's all the apostles who would come after them, right? This is Barnabas, Paul, Timothy, Silas, Titus, Luther, Calvin, Spurgeon, Stedman, big. Van (laughs) Oosterzee, Brown, Aaron, Tenniston. This is all who would come after the disciples, those original. Those whom the Lord has placed in the role of shepherding are responsible for the watch care and feeding of the Lord's household until he comes back. Do you know that that's what the word pastor means? Um if you look through uh, at least the English Standard Version of the Bible that we use here, and that's in the pews, you will find that the word pastor does not appear. And the, the reason is, uh, well, some some translations do use the word pastor um, in Ephesians 4.11. So if you have something other than the ESV that I'm reading from, um you might have the word pastor in Ephesians 4:11. You can look that up on your own. Um, but those versions that use the word pastor, it's only half translated. Um, pastor does not come from a Greek word. Um, it's not really an English word. It's actually a Latin word, um, and the Latin word means shepherd. The Greek word is actually poimen, um, and it anyway. It means shepherd. That's. Um, it's not the word that matters, it's the role that matters. So in Ephesians 4.11, you'll see it was he who gave some to be shepherds and teachers. The word pastor doesn't exist. So ask me again why I don't like being called pastor. I, I don't like Latin that much, <laughs> or titles. Either way, it doesn't matter. It's the role that matters. And as John Calvin wrote, if each of the common people ought to watch, much less ought to it Ought it to be endured that the apostles should sleep? The shepherds? As evidenced by Peter's question, I think the disciples at this point weren't that concerned with the crowds of people and the potential for of their responsibility to watch over them. I don't think they understood the depth of the role that Jesus had called them to. After Jesus' ascension, as recorded in the book of Acts and the coming of the Holy Spirit, the disciples had a much better understanding of what their role was and what they were to do with what Jesus had told them here in Luke chapter 12. When you read of the, the apostles in the book of Acts, you see a group of men that are totally different from the group of men here in the Gospels. They're the same names, but they're new creatures, right? Right? Because the Holy Spirit has filled them and is helping them do the work that Jesus had called them to. And here they just didn't understand. The truth of the matter is that the role of stewarding and shepherding the flock comes with great temptation. And it also comes with a higher standard for behavior. James chapter 3 verse 1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Those who teach, those who shepherd, those who manage the household will be held accountable for what they teach or how they shepherd or whether or not they were faithful to the master's will for his household. Jesus describes how the manager put in place by the master of the house was tempted and when the master's return was delayed and just what that manager should expect for his unfaithfulness. Verse 45. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant servant, will come on a day when he does not expect him. And at an hour, he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. The temptation for all of us, but especially shepherds and teachers, is to act as if Jesus' return is not imminent. He's been gone 2,000 plus years. What makes us think that he's going to come back today? Well, it's because the Bible says that it could be today, right? So that's, we can't forget that. Our favorite theologian, J.J. Van Oosterzee, it's it's just so fun to say. He wrote, excessive severity towards others and excessive laxness towards oneself are not seldom united in hirelings without the shepherd's heart. The truth of the matter is that it's not that hard to get a job like this. But it's very hard to do the job. And there are those that don't have shepherds' hearts and don't really care about the people. Of course, Van Oosterzee is referencing John uh, 10, 12, and 13 when he says, Jesus said, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Now, Unfortunately, far too many of us have had bad experiences with people who have been put into the role of shepherd who do not have a shepherd's heart. There's lots of people just looking for an indoor job without any heavy lifting. And like I said before, this role comes with great temptation. The desire for power and control have overcome many would-be shepherds. They end up severe towards others through their expectations for performance, through attendance and giving and things like that, legalism, but are lax towards themselves themselves. Give themselves grace and not offer it to anyone else. They live their lives of relative ease, but great influence. Well, Jesus reminds the disciples that those who are unfaithful in the role of steward will pay a great price. Leaders who fail do not fall from grace, but they certainly can end up cut down and often ostracized and disillusioned. Jesus said, And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive the light beating. You've heard the expression that ignorance is no excuse, Right? Well, ignorance is certainly not an adequate shield to ward off the wrath of God. The steward who knew the master's will but didn't act according according to the master's will will be punished. But the worst part about it is that they will cause those who did not know the master's will to be punished as well. Their punishment will not be as severe, but they will be punished nonetheless. If a person stands in a pulpit and tells you what is not true and what is not God's word, you could believe them. Don't ever wonder why I give you the scripture reference. Because you need to read this book for yourself. And if I say something that does not line up with God's word, if I've gotten it wrong and you don't do the work, to find out you've been fooled. But you will still be held responsible, whether you're aware of it or not. If if coming to me or to any pastor or any teacher to say, you know, you said this thing last week, um, and I was reading, and that doesn't seem to line up, Please, don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid to come to me. Please, if I'm getting this wrong and you catch it and I don't and nobody else says either. We're all we're all in trouble. Jesus sums up this teaching with a familiar phrase in verse 48. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Some of you may have heard the expression, with great power comes great responsibility. And where do you think that came from? Right here. It's the words of Jesus. The apostles were entrusted with much. They were entrusted with the spread of the gospel and the watch care of the church. They were entrusted with the Holy Spirit, and they will be held to account for it at judgment, as as will all those who follow them. We will one day have to account for what we did with what we were given and what we were given to do while we waited for the Lord's return. He's going to ask. What did you do with what I gave you? Unfortunately, we think we have time. So we delay. We delay in doing what we ought we know we ought to do and we busy ourselves indulging in what we ought not do. This is the problem that we face. It's been this long. It's been 2000 years. We really don't need to worry about it. We can eat, drink and be merry. Well, that's not what Jesus says. Listen to the words of the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians three, ten through 14. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds on it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. but only as though through fire. One day we are all going to be held account for how we lived. We're all going to be held to account for how we taught and what we taught, how we lead, how we serve. And my prayer is that the master will find his faithful servants faithfully serving when he comes. And that's not just me, that's all of us. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that interprets it for us. Lord, we thank you that you pay the price for our sin on the cross. That we would be adopted as your children and forgiven of our sins you reserved a place for us at your table in your kingdom Lord we thank you for the reminder that we're going to be held accountable for how we live not just those that stand in a pulpit but all of us help us Lord to be faithful to do what you have asked us to do help us to be faithful in sharing the gospel offering hope the hope of salvation through Jesus you've given that to us all lord i pray that you would help us all be students of your word so that we would know when something doesn't sound right that you would train us to spot the counterfeit because we know the original so well we need your we need your spirit's help to do that lord your word is sometimes hard for us to understand. Lord, remove our excuses and help us to get to work knowing your word and spreading the gospel as you've called us to do. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church. Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.